We got two young men here. Uh, you guys from Philly? Yeah, I'm from Philly. You are born and raised. You already know. <laughs> yeah, now, what's it, tell me, what's it like living in Philly? Man, living in Philly, it's fun. It have its, it have its pros and its cons, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, it's a, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world. Yeah. You gotta just be on point. Do what you gotta do. It mind your Yes, yes, yes. For real, though. But it's from Motor City. I love the city. I'm from here. I'm born and raised. You feel yeah. And I mean, I rock with it. You mean? I'm heavy on this city. You feel me? Definitely, definitely. I'm heavy on this city. You feel me? Like, I love this city. For me, you got good food. You feel me? Yeah. It's a place you can't go, a place you can go. You feel me? But you ain't never as much as business. You'll be all right, though. Right, right, right. And, and I ain't gonna lie, I feel you. Like, they always support each other for real. You just gotta, like, really, yeah. like, show people you really don't shoot down. Right, you. right. You gotta show that. Right, Thank you so much for participating in the podcast. And Welcome to another episode of the Neoliberal Realm Podcast. I am Ronaldo McKenzie. That was an excerpt of an uh, interview that I did some time ago with BDOT. BDOT, who was recently gone down right after I interviewed him, right in that same spot where I, inter- I did the interview with him, and you just heard him. He was gone down in that same spot, uh, I think, the next, the following day. And But um, this episode, this episode, is an excerpt of a lecture I presented on to a group on Pan-African and Caribbean thought, exploring the corner boys' mentality within the Gen Zs and Gen X and post-millennial milieu. It is an interdisciplinary analysis utilizing anthropological, ethnographic methods and participant observation. The discussions form, forms or the discussions form part of a wider study on privilege, power, position, and status, looking at how power and its strategies poses problems for progress and its effects on the changing human dynamics in society. The analysis provides an anecdotal and an initial understanding on the minds and behaviors of the Gen Z's corner boys who seem to have acquired the 1% mindset of getting money staying fresh without having the usual hard commitments to wider society's values and morals to hold them back. It's all about getting money, staying fresh, living the dream. The systems and laws are beneath them and can be summed up in this motto, the law is not a shackle. This episode is entitled Get money, stay fresh. Gen Z's and the 1% mindset. Get money, stay fresh. Gen Z's and the 1% mindset. And get money, stay fresh. Get money is important here. Not make money, but get money is very important. It's very important. That play upon the word is very important. Not making, but getting money, and you will understand why as you as we get as we delve into the episode later on. So.
So I provide an initial analysis and this and an assessment to to my students and also make a comment at the end about Twitter and Elon Musk who have slashed their staff in half since the Elon Musk takeover after requiring them to work hours thinking that they would be able to keep their jobs which seemed to have been a strategy to get the staff to do one year's work in two weeks so that the layoffs wouldn't cost them any loss. They are now charging $8 per month to get and to keep a blue verified account. This seems draconian and based on members' ability to pay, not on members' credibility and reputation, which Elon Musk had tweeted some time ago was based on privilege or based on or based on privilege. Nevertheless, Elon and Twitter have turned around and is now doing the same thing. Only this time they have changed the game and switched privileges from those who are reputable to anyone who can pay. Finally, we concluded with a brief discussion on Facebook and Meta, which has defrauded many digital creators out of their reels after promising that they would pay these members for their created and posted reels. Many video reel creators suddenly started to experience glitches with their accounts and lost access to their accounts and payments, and then were, requir were required to re-verify their accounts through notary and other requirements or create new accounts. But up to now, many creators have not been paid and Facebook and Meta have not provided any public and substantial reply concerning the issue. However, they are now slashing staff. And just so you know, I was affected by that and I've even filed a complaint against them because of this very issue some time ago, recently. However, they are now slashing staff due to business slowdowns. But business is bad for Meta. You know why? Because the platform, the platform is not user friendly and has a tremendous control over use, over user accounts. Further, Meta has several security issues and kinks that needs to be resolved. And members continue to complain that they are not paid for their reels and payout accounts are constantly coming up with error notifications. So it is no wonder that Facebook and Meta has to now cut staff given the downturn in revenue as the company has lost reputational value among its Facebook fans. That's what's coming up on the New Liberal Realm podcast. We will continue the discussion here. It promises to be exciting. It promises to be erudite. It promises to be esoteric and deep. But it promises, but it's, but it's, but it explores some critical issues and requires a critical mind as we deconstruct life and explore the issues so as to serve the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges. Listen to the excerpt of this lecture coming up next on the Neil Around podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. Before we go, before we get into the episode today, I'd like to make an announcement. I'm working on a new book project about to be released and published by Palmetto Publishing. 
it's entitled neoliberal globalization reconsidered and it has a sub theme which i will share later on but it's entitled neoliberal globalization reconsidered it continues the study of neoliberalism but explores the global north and will lead into the third book privilege power position the problem of progress follow at www.thenearlyball.com He said, make money, stay fresh. <laughs> I will never forget, I'll never forget that, but be that. He said, you know, it's all about this. Yeah, you know I mean, when I asked him what life like is it about Philly, to, what, what life like living in Philly? He said, you know, you have to stay out, you know, you know, you have to you know, stay out of the way, know the people around you. But one, and he said, but you know, you make money, stay fresh. And um, he was all about making money and staying fresh. And, you know, many of these young men, many of these, you know, them, these boys now, I mean, you, they are hustlers. They're hustling there. And actually, I wear this black hoodie called Armed with Hustle. <laughs> but they are hustling. They are working. They are, they are good. No sleep. I met this young man and I was, I was intrigued in the sense that in an academic way, but trying to understand the mind of some of these young men who are working, but working hard to take care of their, to take care of home. And for them, home is important to them. Family, their circle, you know, their family, their their homeboys. Yes, that's very important to them. And as they make money, they when they make money, they share it with their homeboys and with their family and, and they protect their family. It's very important to them. And, but for them, they want, to, they, 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 they want to look fresh. Looking good is important. They look good. They want to drive around in nice, fancy cars. They, you know, they want to 
they want to look good and stay fresh. <laughs> and they are making money. And they know how to make money. It's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. And as I said to you earlier, they do not have any kind of... Sorry, I'm not going to say that. Certain values don't hold them back because they don't necessarily subscribe to it in the ways that old-time or traditional people subscribe to it. So that it don't, doesn't hold them back. They don't subscribe to, you know, it's religious values. Or really, they don't, or even if they do subscribe to religious values, they don't think about it in the way that other people think about it. It, it, is, it is as if it is, it doesn't serve them. It, 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 is, it is as if they control the narrative in a sense. The way, the principles of, of, of their faith, the Muslim faith, say for example, if they are, if they do subscribe to a particular faith, it's probably the Muslim faith. And, um, and, it, and it's quite interesting, but not in, but not in, they're not, not in a very pious way. But they, but morals and certain values don't hold them back. Unless, unless, unless morals and values for them are created, are created by a particular system that was a strategy to hold them back, to prevent them from doing what they need to do in order to get to the next level, while those, while the other peoples are able to do otherwise. But I was thinking about it some time ago. In terms of, and let's look at it in terms of global warming and when countries were signing this um, pa- um, Paris agreement or accord to limit greenhouse emissions and so on. Some developing countries and countries like China were still putting out um, emissions that far exceeded what countries had agreed to so as to prevent further damage so as to prevent global warming but many of these countries said that they are already behind in terms of their status of development and post-industrial countries are way ahead and now that they don't need they don't need that kind of industrialization that they're asking where it wouldn't allow them to limit that much emissions. They're asking other countries such as China and so on and Indian developing countries who are at a particular stage that demands a, a kind of um, damage to the, to, the, to the ozone layer or global, which creates global warming. They are saying that it, it's, they are not at that level. So it's quite unfair that those who don't need to do that anymore are asking them to participate in and sign an accord that with others who are at a different stage that requires that they do that in order for them to come to the next level. They, in a sense, they are thinking about it. They are putting themselves 
at a competitive advantage using global warming using so that's why many people believe that global warming is a strategy is a strategy used because people use it to now limit the competition those people okay because th- those people who are at an ad- who have an advantage certain advantage are asking those people who are at a lower level who are who is entering the global um, economic comp- um, globalization the global market and, and trying to get to the get to an economic level where other post industrial countries where other post in, in where other post industrial countries are are being asked to sign an accord that limits greenhouse emissions further limiting their competitive advantage i mean i let it's quite interesting so when you think about so if we think about religion in those sense as well there's some some people who are suspicious of religion thinking that it is created and used to limit the masses in fact if you look in the if you look in the in the dark ages where the pope was emperor only only the nobles and 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 only the nobles and members of the clergy could read the bible the laity and the masses was given the name laity or lay, laymen which signifies idiots or people who were ignorant but that was done and and when they tried as i said to you before when they tried to teach people to be able to read the bible in a particular language latin or when they tried to translate it in a common language people were opposed to that the status quo the nobles and and the church they were opposed to that and that's why you had the reformation with the breaking away of the church and the anglican church came the protestantism came about protestantism came about because of that because people were trying to privilege themselves and 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 reformation helped to to create that kind of universality of the faith and 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 okay so that now people are so that that we are talking about continuing the conversations of privilege and power it is everywhere the strategy but here it is but but this particular conversation started with some young men i observed i've been observing over time in communities we will have to have a deeper conversation about this because it is deep but i've had a, a, an interesting opportunity where i am to be able to understand society i've met I, the job I have allows me to meet people from all walks of life and it is and as an academic as an academic it's quite interesting <laughs> as you learn and interact and engage people and learn about life and society and you know there is lack in certain communities and certain communities will do anything to get to, to do will do anything and some people create groups to do things creative things so that they can stay fresh make money stay fresh <laughs> quite interesting we'll have to continue this
Now, uh, this is important. This is very important. If you, if you guys were to uh, study, study communities, and the community I was referencing earlier was the community Philadelphia. And if you if, let us study communities where there is high crime and violence, and especially black and black crime um, violence, black and brown on black and brown crime and violence, and especially you talk about Chicago, LA, um, Chicago, LA, Detroit, Jackson, um, Jackson, we say that. So the, so many of the communities where you have high crime and violence and where you have uh, um, a high concentration in pockets of black and brown people, if you are to study the educational outcomes, they are bad. And when you look at the curriculum and what they are being taught, it is basic. Basic. And they are doing everything to let some of our boys scrape through. But at the end of the day, they may have a lot dropout rates are high and people if you look at those who have GEDs to those who get a, a high school diploma you will see you, you will see the, 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 you will see a, a, a disparity there or you, you know people go through high school and they cannot get the high school diploma so they end up having to get a GED nothing is wrong with that I mean, it could be many reasons Many reasons, people. Uh, we have um, lack of stability within within homes, and many of these communities are dealing with high levels of poverty. And so, many of the many of these young people, when when, when they are left up to a life of gangs or a life of doing creative things. And I said to you earlier, the, there's no the foundation and how they think about religion and the soft things that we usually help to develop consciences is waning. We talk about social decay. But I say to you, they know how to make money. Many of the young people, many of the young men. They can't hold down a good job. They cannot. They said that we, there is a study that, said, that shows, and I did an article that looks at how the world of work is changing, and Gen Zs are changing how we think about work. It, it started from the millennials, and of course, COVID and so on, which people, it's, people want to make money and stay fresh. And people, and Everybody, I guess, is developing that one percent mindset. <laughs> but it's quite interesting, as you study society and you study communities, communities, and the particular community I'm studying is in Philadelphia, and I am able to, and in a in a very anthropological way, and I'm able to, and in a very participant way. I'm able to 
to engage people from various walks of life in Philadelphia. Those who live in certain vulnerable communities where there is high crime and violence or where there is a lack of resources. And of course, communities where there is, where there are, especially in more to the suburbs and so on, where there is where there is a where there's a lot of resources and where life is uh, when you look at life it's night and day the houses look dilapidated in some communities compared to others it's just the social structure the ge- and the geography and the aesthetics of communities you know it's how, how do you facilitate that mindset a particular mindset you visit community and communities you see struggle then you go and you see the need for help now society has always used these communities to do certain kind of jobs but now we live in the 21st century with Gen Z's who do not want to work they want flexibility in their lives and they want to make money and of course probably that's also driving the inflation Inflation is going down, but it's still 7.7%. It's still high. But when you look at who, who, when you know, when you start to study, not study the population, but not just population, when you start to study who the new consumers are, who the new consumers are as Gen Zs and post millennials and so on, and these, as the, these people have a different mindset, a different mindset. They are also driving, driving the huge behavior in a in a in a in a different way than how we we, we see that, how, how we understand how how consumer behave. And and if you look at opportunities in communities, there there are also opportunities to make money in communities. But these opportunities sometimes for what Gen Z's want, Gen Z's, and when you start to study their behavior, they want to, they, they know, they know how, they know how to maximize and capitalize on, on opportunities. And if the opportunity does not carry certain values, they want it, especially a, a young woman I, I learned recently there's a job that was paying over $19 an hour and she said no that's too low she wants $23 an hour and if the job can't pay guarantee that they're just, they're not, they'll rather stay home I'm telling you that's how the, these Gen Z's are but even beyond that even beyond that this is important here as I as I go deep in, as I, as I talk, as I share with you this whole concept of make money, stay fresh. That when you study human behavior, study it's the, the, the idea of making money and staying fresh is important.
No, uh, yesterday and over the weekend, I had some chance. Well, yesterday, I had an opportunity to to interview several African American men between the ages of eighteen and forty three. These communities, these men are men in Philadelphia, in more North Philadelphia and um, Germantown, nice town area of Philadelphia. And the population of question is the population, as you said, African-American um, men between 18 and 43. And many of the young men, many of the men who are interviewed, they are not necessarily, they're not necessarily professional. They don't have a profession. They don't work in a professional setting. They have odd jobs and do other creative things. I had a chance to interact with about over 15 of them. And, I, and one of the questions I posed, some of them are into music, some of them are into other things but one of the questions I said did, 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 you, did you vote in the midterm elections and not one of them said yes not one of them even thought about the elections the midterm elections they knew that it happened but they didn't think about voting or anything like that and I also asked if they had voted in in, um, in the general elections and they said no they did not vote in the, in the last general election either so there's still a large, uh, uh, of course, yesterday I heard a report that in Philadelphia, four in 10, four in 10, four in, in Philadelphia, four in 10 people voted. It was four in 10, so about just 400,000. I think they said 427 because Philadelphia had 1.1 million people, I believe. Philadelphia had 1.1 million people. And it was four in ten, so it's about just over four hundred thousand, four hundred and twenty-three thousand people voted in the midterms. So the so the men, the, the people who I spoke with yesterday were among the the ten <laughs> who didn't vote. They, so the, it says four in ten, so one, two, three, four people voted, and then of course, so five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten didn't vote. So I spoke to a couple of the. The, a couple of the group within the 5 to 10 that didn't vote, 15 of them and when I asked them why they did not vote, many of them said they didn't really, it wasn't important to them they're not thinking about it they just want to make money and stay fresh they are, they are hustlers the election is not important to them Certain things don't hold them down. The election and political leadership and so on doesn't change anything for them. Because for them, it doesn't matter who is president and who is governor and who is senate. They're going to make money. They're going to do what they do. They're going to make money and stay fresh. It was quite interesting interacting with interacting with them and learning about their life. Work. One young man 
said he didn't sleep for two days, didn't eat much. But he was working hard, making money, bags of money, making money staying fresh. Interesting. This is an interesting study. Think about that time. By the way, I, I must make a point regarding Twitter, which is quite interesting. Twitter has uh, Elon Musk, since e- the, Elon, the Elon Musk takeover of Twitter, Twitter has slashed, slashed their staff in half. Now, just so you know, just so you know, Twitter, twi- um, Elon Musk purchased Twitter for about $44 billion. And, um, but before Elon Musk slashed the staff in half he had them work he had them do one year's work one year's work in one week because he knew he was going to slash them he knew he was going to cut so he had them work like a dog work like slaves work mass um, massive overtime hours for that first week of the takeover, first two weeks of the takeover. Then he cut the staff in half. This was all about making money. It has nothing to do with the economy. <laughs> it has everything to do with making back the $44 billion. So in order to make the money, he's cut, he cuts the staff in, in half. And then he's also asking, asking um, people if they need to, that uh, a verified Twitter account with the, blue, with the blue mark, which is usually reserved for celebrities and stars and very important people, politicians, so on and so forth developers and so on creators journalists now he's asking people to pay eight dollars a buck after he after he talked after he had sent out a tweet saying how draconian and how privileged it is to this this blue check mark and i and i had responded liking that tweet liking that response saying oh this is good this is good but now he's asking people to pay eight dollars a buck per month to have and to keep their blue check mark, to have a, that verified account. First, so what that has done is that it has diluted the value of that blue check mark. So anybody can, even scammers and hackers can get the blue check mark. You just need to have the eight dollars. Well, you can keep your blue check mark, Twitter. Okay, I'll continue to, to I'll continue to operate without the blue check mark. When you visit my page, Ronaldo McKenzie on Twitter. Just type in Ronaldo McKenzie, it's already verified. Once you see the neoliberal, neoliberalism at the top and you read my tweets and so on and connect to the websites that's attached to my profile, that's verified enough. And you see the links that I post up of this tweet, I mean, of, of the podcast and other stuff that I'm about. But you can keep, you can keep your, because what's going to happen is that those who, are, who don't have a blue check mark will, be the, will, will, be, will have verified account, accounts. You probably, you're going to have more blue check marks now than... That, so, so that 
so that if you don't have a blue check mark, you are part of the minority. And you become now the, the, the and then you will become the new, the, the new verified account. Because everybody will probably have that, it will have now be able to have that blue check mark. And by the way, isn't that draconian as well? So, or unless only those with money can have a blue check mark. That's what it has become. Having the blue check mark is all about money. Only if you have money, then you will have a blue check mark. If you don't have any money, forget it. So the verification of one's account is only dependent on the money you have to back it. Absolutely ridiculous. This is the Neil Around Podcast. We'll be right back after this. In closing, there is one news. There's one new news that's in the news. It's about Facebook and Meta. And I actually, the Neoliberal Corporation has, uh, we are part of that Meta. We have a Facebook account and we have Meta and we are, we, we are familiar with Meta. We work with Meta Business um, Suite. And just so you know, so I understand and they have released the news that Mike Zuckerberg, Facebook is slashing or cutting the staff at Meta. And this slash and this cut is affecting many tech companies. We had already announced this several weeks ago, this change in the climate. And um, and you can check thenailable.com. You can also check the podcast, this show, a previous episode where we discussed this cutting across the board. And we questioned this cutting as to whether or not it's... It, it, is a result of the downturn in the economy or whether or a result of wealthy billionaires and tech companies who are competing against each other to be number one first first and further not i wanted i want to also bring up a, a very important experience not which is and many other small business business people and many other people who use facebook um, who I've spoken to experienced this. Some time ago, Meta, Facebook and Meta, through their Meta business, announced that they're going to be paying um, people for their reels that they put up on Facebook. And they were inviting people to create accounts and to post up video reels and so on, and they'll get paid. So I I accepted that um, opportunity and, and I started publishing reels on Facebook. And based on your, the viewership of those reels, you you are paid a certain amount. So I, so there there is an icon that allows you to check your reels and how it's doing and how much money you're making. And I saw that I had generated almost a thousand dollars and they were gonna, and it indicated that my payment, I can cash out immediately or I can cash out uh, at a particular time. So I indicated I want to cash out sometime in July, but close to July, my account developed some problems. Suddenly, I can't verify my account. I can't get into the account. It's not showing my reels. It's not showing my payment. It's not showing anything. I contacted Facebook and the Meta Business um, through, through um, Facebook support and several other ways. Hundreds of messages back and forth to the point I got frustrated and reported them to the FEC or the SEC and the Better, Bu- uh, Better Business Bureau and so on. Because I believe this was, 
it's your strategy. Several other people who used the Meta Business Suite and who were using, who were, who had signed up for the real payment, also did. I understand were not paid their money. Many people, hundreds of people, and, and many people that we've spoken to, suddenly developed and it developed problems with their accounts, and Facebook was requiring them to provide verification and put accounts on hold and had to go you had to go to a notary and one some a big headache which I believe that it was some algorithm that Facebook had created I mean I I don't know but I believe that it it, it was quite ominous it was quite interesting that this was happening uh, that that this would happen and up to now I haven't been paid up to now this is not conspiracy because it happened to me. The fact that Facebook would invite you to provide, and now Meta, and they're now they're they're planning on cutting their staff in half because, of course, following other companies who are doing that in order to realize the super normal profits. In order to realize super normal profits, you know, as as rich tech billionaires. The companies and themselves and their, their owners compete to be number one, the wealthiest in the world. This is the Neoliberal Round podcast. Thank you for listening to to the show, and please send us your feedback and let us know how we can improve the show. Share it with your friends and your family, and visit us at theneoliberal.com or https colon forward slash forward slash anchor.fm slash the neoliberal and you can donate to the show at anchor.fm slash the neoliberal slash support and just so you know just just remember just so you know the book the book neoliberal globalization reconsidered is in the works and it's about to come out we hope that you will you will support support it and we'll have some more discussions about the book and what it entails and it will be available again in all platforms and also in the in the audible. Thank you for thank you for listening and be and being a valued supporter. And again, we want to give a shout out to our supporters and to our sponsors and donors, especially some of our top donors. And we want to say how we appreciate them, Mr. Winston McKenzie and Mr. Kenneth O'Connor. Thank you for your support, and Anchor.fm by Spotify for being a partner in this journey. This is the Neoliberal Round Podcast, brought to you by the Neoliberal Corporation, serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges through our communication, which is the what made popular what was the monopoly. What was?